Welcome to Brewcast, uh, a show that has existed here on Amazing Brew before, but it's being brought back and being brought back with a vengeance. Uh, I am Anthony Broom, the managing editor of Mazenbrew.com. Glad to have you along. Excited to be back here doing the show, and it's going to be a show that um, we're, we're going to take it a little bit of a different direction than what we've taken things in the past. You know, I think that when you look at this Michigan market as a whole, I think that I don't want to say it's sterile, but it's a pretty flooded market. And, and, you know, you have a lot of people saying a lot of similar things and, you know, we want to bring something different to the table. Um, you know, before I, I, before I get into my little state of the maize and brew and, and what this podcast is going to be, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring in the people that will be joining me on this little adventure here. Um, I do have uh, Chris Castellani, who, if any of you guys have, have followed him on Twitter, knows an absolute electric factory when it comes to uh, some of the takes he throws out there, some of the videos. They're great. They're entertaining. Hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll be getting him to do some of that for us as well. So, uh, Chris, I want to welcome you to the show, my friend. Anthony, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the introduction. Uh, this is this is really cool, uh, and I know that's probably putting it in very simple terms. But uh, you know, when I found out that I was going to be a part of this, I uh, can't tell you how excited I was and how excited I still am. So I'm, I'm happy to be here, uh, a part of this, uh, part of this group, part of this community, and uh, we're looking forward to putting together the absolute best product that we can possibly put together. Well, I'm blushing. Um, I'm blushing. And this is the other thing is that since I've taken over this site, a lot of people have been quick to point out, you know, you you tend to bring in a lot of Central Michigan guys. And and both of my co-hosts here are, are guys that have that CMU background, same background that I have. Uh, and my other co-host who um, will tell you about his background here in just a second uh, is Luke Giardi. I hope I pronounced that right, Luke. You can tell me if I didn't. You did. You did. Cool. Cool. One for one right off the bat. Um, why don't you tell the people, first of all, it's great to have you here. Uh, you know, last month or so, we've been adding people to the site, adding some new faces, some some people with different backgrounds. Why don't you clue the people in a little bit with, with where you come from and, and what, uh, what's been up with you? Yeah, man. Uh, really great, first of all, to be on this. Been a big fan of Maze and Brew for a long time, so it's very cool to be a part of this and really looking forward uh, to getting a good product out there. Uh, right now, I work in the Upper Peninsula. I am in the Marquette market where I do uh, what we call it the Sports Drive. It's a two-hour sports show every weekday from 3 to 5 p.m. And uh, so this is just a little... Uh, you know, a little little extra for me that I'm really looking forward to and getting down there. You know, people can listen and uh, I can spit my my hot takes down in the, the Michigan market for all the faithful Michigan Wolverine fans. Oh, man, I got a couple of a couple of well-spoken gentlemen with me from different backgrounds, too, uh, both from uh, Central Michigan BCA department. I take it. Uh-huh. Yep. Wow. All right. Well, that we're three for three there. So, uh, but no, this is not a central Michigan podcast. This is a Michigan podcast. Uh, so what's it going to be? Uh, you know, I don't really know. I don't know where this is going to go. I mean, there are going to be a lot of times where we jump on here and kind of, I mean, we'll have an idea of what we're going to talk about. We'll press record and see where it goes. And I think that to me, that is what provides the most authentic content. I think that's what provides the most entertaining content, you know, we're not going to come on here and be scripted and and we're going to have interviews. We have Josh Henschke of the Michigan insider joining us in this first episode to uh, kind of bring 
bring to light some of the things that's going on with Michigan basketball heading into the Big Ten tournament. We previewed the Big Ten tournament with him. Uh, but this isn't – I mean, it's a Michigan podcast. Uh, it, it's obviously Mason Brews, a Michigan site. But we're looking to expand that a little bit. It's We're not going to paint, paint it into a corner. I mean, I'm not naive enough to think – listen, I'm a content guy. I, I'm all for putting out anything of interest uh, to Michigan fans on this site. And with the knowledge of that comes that there's not always going to be Michigan-centric stuff to talk about. So we'll talk about things with the Michigan twist. We'll talk about things with from a 320-something guys twist. I mean, we want to do a little bit of everything. We're not just going to bring in Michigan guests. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of – spreading our wings a little bit so to speak and and with that i you know i have a little bit of a message to people listening and the people that follow the site something that i am going to make a very big effort with this website in the next you know couple months however long it takes to build is i want to give this site to the people i want this to be a place where michigan fans can come for anything i mean it's we're Mason Brew. We don't need to be taking ourselves so damn serious. There literally are the name of the website is a reference to alcohol. So um, we may, may we may crack a beer while we do this show. I, I don't know. I don't care. I'm not going to tell my guys not to do that. Um, but the important thing for me to stress. I, I already did. It, yeah. Oh well, way ahead of the <laughs> no. game already. I like it. Exactly. I like the initiative, and that's a big reason why uh, I brought you on is the initiative. So um, appreciate it. Yeah, you know, it's I want to. I want this to be your thing as much as it is ours. Uh, you know, I want, so with that, tell us what you want to hear, what you want to see. I mean, there are a lot of outlets out there that do it because they have to do it because it's a paycheck for them. Everyone that's a member of this site does it with, they do it out of passion. They do it out of love. And, and hopefully with some of the content that we have coming again, not trying to turn this into a, a PSA for the site, but, um, well, hell, it is. Uh, I'm not going to bullshit you there. It, it absolutely is. But, um, you know, tell us what you want. Tell us what you want to see. You know, we want this to be the people's podcast. Uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll get some good. I, I know we're going to have some great guests on. Uh, I've already talked to people, have people lined up looking at doing this once a week for now. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, see where it goes. But, you know, other than that, that's, that's really my whole spiel. Uh, I just want to make sure that this site stays sort of in i mean i'll make no bones about it i mean we have a relationship with the school we're a credentialed outlet but we're never going to be a site that pulls punches or a site that um shies away from talking about tough things and poking fun at tough things too like i said the name of our the logo on our front page is literally a mug of beer so i'm not going to sit here and with a with a stick up my ass and tell tell my guys how things should be tell you guys how things should be we're going to have fun and we want it to be something that, that you guys have fun with it too. So um, now that my little state of the maize and brew address is done, I want to open up the floor. A lot of you guys that are listening know me, um, but I want you to get to know my co-host a little bit. I'm going to put them on the spot here, guys. This is going to be like syllabus week when the professor asks you to stand up, say what your, your favorite color is, what you're here for, whatever. I mean, you, I'm about to give you the floor to say whatever you want about your background and, and what uh, what you're hoping for this to be. So uh, being that I'm a gentleman, uh, I introed Chris first. Uh, I will let Luke go first here. Luke, my friend, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and your hopes for what this can become or whatever. This is The floor is open to you, my friend. 
Alrighty, yeah. So, a uh, little bit about my background. You know, I grew up uh, in the Upper Peninsula. My sister actually uh, went to the University of Michigan, and she's just at that age where uh, she graduated high school in 01, and I was coming up. We have that big of a age gap to where uh, when she was going to U of M, it was, uh, so it was a perfect time for me to be a kid and, and go down there. She's actually a Big Ten title then. Oh yes, yes, very much so, man. Uh, she's she's seen some really cool things. She was she was there in 03. She was there. Uh, her senior year was 04, the Braylon Edwards game against Michigan State. Um, and you know she took me down. I went to a few basketball games back when Tommy Amaker was the coach, and sat I sat right behind the bench in the student section. I got to tell you, I got an education that day, uh, and I'll never forget. It, it was a Purdue game actually when uh, Courtney Sims had a tip in yeah, the, at the buzzer. The buzzer, didn't you? I actually yeah. Remember that. yeah. And Daniel Horton, actually my favorite all-time player at the University of Michigan, pretty much, you know, because of those years. But uh, so I always grew up a huge Michigan fan. I always wanted to go uh, to U of M, but uh, at the end of high school, an opportunity came about where uh, I got an offer to go play uh, junior college basketball at Muskegon Muskegon Community College for a couple of years. So I decided to go do that instead of, go, of going to U of M right fresh out of high school. I plan on transferring there. Uh, didn't work out. I, I kind of slacked off a little bit those two years at MCC. Ended up going to CMU. Loved the decision, but uh, very much still uh, a Wolverine and a Chippewa at heart. So uh, really excited to be doing this, man. Follow Michigan as close as possible and uh, just absolutely pretty much bleed maize and blue. All right. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this. I mean, we are called Maze and Brew. I just said how I'm not going to take it too seriously. Um, are you a partaker of the the malted beverage known as beer? And what is your favorite <laughs> one? What? My man, I'm from the UP. What do you think? Yeah, favorite one is uh, definitely Two Hearted uh, from Bells. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Chris, same question, and then I'll let you do your little spiel as well. Uh, do you have a beverage of choice? Uh. I mean, if I if I'm choosing a beer, uh, I'd pro- I'd probably go Budweiser. I know. Uh, oh, it is the it seems it's like the king of beers. No I respect ma- that. It is exactly. I feel like no matter what uh, beer, picking fa- a favorite beer is like picking a favorite movie or or a favorite TV show, uh, where there's always going to be a group of people who say, "What that one." Uh, so I'm not saying, uh, you know, I'm not saying claiming to be the expert uh, in in beer, but uh, the one I drink the most, and I do do drink, you know, fair amount, is uh, would be Budweiser. Um, so I would I would I would go with that. Uh, and as far as my uh, my my spiel, um, you know, I was born and raised in Lansing. Uh, my father went to Michigan, uh, graduated from Michigan. Uh, I grew up in Spartan territory, and my brother was a Michigan State fan because of that. Uh, my mother was a Michigan State fan because of that, and because I guess I just wanted to make life difficult for myself, I went the path of my dad and became a Michigan fan. And you know, some of my earliest memories—not um, just sports memories, but just uh, life memories—were. Uh, watching Michigan or Michigan football at rather circa 2003, 2004. Um, I remember sitting in, uh, sitting in our basement watching Chris Perry and, and John Navarre and Braylon Edwards beat Ohio state and win the big 10 outright. And I remember thinking, wow, this is, 
this is good. This is easy. Uh, I can't wait to see more of this. Uh, thinking that, you know, it would happen again. And, uh, it, they've, it's happened once since, and that was the next year. So, um, you know, it, it, I've, I picked probably the worst time in history to be a Michigan fan, but, uh, it's made, uh, it's made the, the wins all that more re- rewarding, but, uh, because I've seen a lot of bad, it also means that, uh, and, and if you've seen my videos at all, you know, this, the last thing I'm going to do is sugarcoat anything. Yeah. Why are uh, you so I'm, angry? Well, because <laughs> thing, no, honestly, no, it, it, it's, uh, it, it to a certain extent, I mean, I know, I know you're you're joking, but to a certain extent, I I it is because I ha- I have seen more bad, especially as far as Michigan football goes. Uh, to me, it, I, I hear expectations, and uh, I, I've I look, I take out my frustration making stupid videos on Twitter, and uh, people have been incredibly, uh, you know, the response has been awesome, but. Uh, you know, I, I'm I, I don't sugarcoat anything, I, and I'm never going to be afraid to be critical of the, the, the Michigan program. Uh, but at the same time, when they do have success, I'm going to be very happy, and I'm going to state reasons why. Um, I, I'm somebody who uh, probably will cause or stir a lot of debate with my opinions, and that's fine. I, I think that's awesome, and I'm, that's why I feel lucky to be on this platform to talk about it. And uh, so, whether it's uh, Michigan football, basketball, you know, we're talking other sports at some point. Uh, I, my dream in life, in general, is I want to talk about sports for a living, and uh, I just feel lucky to have that opportunity. Starting, you know, starting with this, and uh, I think we're going to put something together that's awesome. And uh, I'm I've been excited about this for a while, so that, that's really all I got. Yeah, and Chris, I gotta say, man, that Tigers one, the post game Tigers one, was one of the most epic rants I've ever seen. It was. Uh... It was kind of my uh, well, and it was not as big, but it was a, a mini version of my Valenti moment after his uh, his rant uh, f when Michigan State lost to Notre Dame in 06. That thing was uh, that the one that Barstool picked up. No, it wasn't. That's that's the thing is is the Barstool one of the the most popular rants I had. The one that probably got me like the least amount of followers back was actually the Barstow one. I was surprised, <laughs> um, but at the same time, forever thankful. I mean, being on the starting nine was like the coolest moment of my life. But yeah, the the one it was game eighty five against the Indians, uh, where I went from like two thousand followers to six thousand in like two days, and uh, of life officially didn't make sense uh, having people calling me wanting to having have me being interviewed and stuff it, it didn't didn't make sense and uh, it still doesn't and i hope it never does because that'll mean that uh, uh things will have returned to normal and uh, the last thing i am is normal <laughs> so that's that's kind of all i got right well let me let me say this too i mean i'm not gonna sit here and, and hurt my shoulder pat myself on the back but they're even I've had the opportunity to do some real, really cool things. And it started with this platform, honestly. I mean, being at Super Bowl week, I've been at Michigan, Ohio State games. I, I've, if you would have told me the year that I, going into the year that I 
I'm turning 26 years old that I I've been able to do as much as I have. Um, I'd say we're nuts. And I think that, uh, this platform, uh, that it was not possible without this platform. So, um, I'm hoping that, that this, I, I hope this gets huge. And if you're out there and, you know, we want the feedback, we want the criticism, we want the, you know, this, we, I want to hear if it sucks. I want to hear if it was great. I, I can take it either way. So hopefully you guys will be able to give us all the feedback in the world. Um, you know, at some point I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I would like, I would love to do some sponsorship things on here. So if you're out there listening and, you know, you think that that may be an opportunity for you, I mean, we'll, we'll talk. I mean, you guys know how to contact me, um, know how to contact the site. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just really excited to, I've had the itch to get back into this for so long. And, you know, I think the time is, is perfect uh, now to do it. And I think I've got two pretty cool guys to do it with so um yeah hopefully hopefully it works out in that regard i don't see why it wouldn't but um you know other than that i'm like i said i don't know how many more times i can say i'm excited about it you know we're we're gonna try to be we're gonna try to be funny we're gonna try to be smart we're gonna try to be witty and you know we're gonna try to give people something that that they don't necessarily have and um you know i'm, I'm really proud that the people above me don't really give the restrictions. You know, they, they want us to connect with people out there as, as much as, as much as I want to. So again, all of the feedback is welcome. All of your, uh, your thoughts, your tweets, your emails, I read them all. I will respond to them all. I'm not going to sit up in my ivory tower and, and pass judgment or anything like that. You know, um, at the end of the day, I, I want, I want this and I want our guys to be a place you can go to have a conversation, to have a good time and, and to hopefully you're able to connect with us. But so, all right, we're going to move on now. Uh, me and Chris uh, recorded an interview with Josh Henschke of the Michigan insider previewing the big 10 tournament, some of the NBA decisions they have coming up and more. Uh, he will be at Madison square gardens. So uh, let's move right into that now. All right. Joining us now here on Brewcast, someone who, you know, we're, we're thinking of guests for the first episode. This is this was a logical one uh, to me. This is a guy who has a history with uh, with Mason Brew and our website. Someone that, you know, obviously I have a history with, kind of followed him up through the ranks. He was the former managing editor of this site. Parlayed that into a gig over at what was the Michigan Insider at Scout. Now the merger is official. Scout 24-7 are one little entity. Michigan Insider keeps his name. And now Mr. Joshua Henschke the managing editor of the Man- the Michigan Insider, uh, joins us to preview the Big Ten Tournament and uh, some other little uh, topics here. Josh, how are you doing, stranger? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been a while since you, know, you and I have shared a microphone. It's, it's like good old times here. But I guess I want to start with this uh, as we preview the Big Ten Tournament. Uh, Michigan's going into it as a five seed. Uh, they, will, they will play on Thursday. You will be at Madison Square Garden. Uh, in New York City, historic venue there. I've always wanted to get there. Uh, so, but let's back up a little bit. I mean, we, this is another edition of a Michigan basketball team that, you know, question marks early on, uh, for lack of a better term, got their shit kicked in a few times in non-conference. And, you know, one of those teams that people panicked a bit off the bat. But, you know, it's another example of, you know, you just keep building, you stick to it, you get your young guys some experience. And then by the time March rolls around, um, you know, you're, you're going into your conference tournament pretty hot. So uh, where do you think Michigan stands uh, in the big picture right now and considering where they started from and, and where they're going next? 
Well, I mean, they definitely exceeded my expectations. I thought they were kind of a, I guess, a, a mid to low tier Big Ten team from where where things stood uh, when the season started. But I mean, to win what fourteen games in the Big Ten like 13 or 14 games in the Big Ten, which the 2000, I'm trying to remember, 2011 team, I think. It's either, it's either five or five or six or something like that. But the, the last the last team, um, the, I, the one that I, I can't remember the year, but they won the conference at 13 and five. So, you know, it, it's, it's a team that's, you know, it's just it, it's coming into its own again. It's like how many times do you have to ju- doubt John Beeline before he finally proves to you that you know that he's he knows what he's doing? Um, again, I I have my question question marks about this team. A lot of youth, uh, a lot of inexperience, which you know is to be expected when you lose such a big core group of guys. I guess you can throw DJ Wilson in that group as well with with Zach Urban and uh, Derek Walton, but. Yeah, again, it's just uh, John Beeline has this unique unique ability to kind of tap into, I guess, the talent hidden talent pool of these guys, like Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman, for example, to get the most out of them when when it counts. And you know that's that's what they're doing right now. And Josh, I wanted to ask you a bit about a player who's been really inconsistent over these last couple months, and that's Charles Matthews. He got off to a really solid start. Uh, It looked like he was going to be a key piece of this team, but over the last several months, he just has not been the same player. What's kind of been the buzz uh, among the coaching staff in regards to his play over these these last few months? Yeah, unfortunately, um, for for Michigan's case, they – haven't needed Charles Matthews as much as they did earlier in the year because you have guys like Duncan Robinson who's coming into his own, Jordan Poole off the bench, um, and and things like that. But yeah, Beeline has kind of kind of talked about Charles Matthews, and and you got to remember too with with Matthews, this is the most significant playing time he's had in his collegiate playing career. Um, you know, so he's still very much learning the ins and outs of games, and he just happened to transfer into a program where, you know, the the head coach really preaches you know the fundamentals the techniques and all the fine details where in Kentucky where not this is not a bash on Kentucky or anything like that they kind of let you play more because you have a lot of guys there who you know are going to the NBA the next year so um you know with, with Matthews yeah there's there's been moments where he's hit that wall um Beeline said last week that you know they're they're not focusing on his struggles they're focusing on his growth um he's mentioned that he's had some balancing issues in the past where you know he'll catch a ball and land on two feet and then get called for a walk um those walks those walks have been cut down a lot ever since those those have been addressed but um again it's it's a growing thing with with charles matthews i mean it's it's you were you're looking at a player like i said that that's you know had had his most playing experience in in his career so again he's still very much feeling things out um and and beeline and and company are are definitely they're they're spending one-on-one time with him too so you know it might not come in march but you know i i think if charles matthews returns next year which i think probably should be the best thing for him um you know i i think it's only going to be up from here yeah, and I think it's one of those cases, too, where he is such – you sort of alluded to it here. He's such a freak athlete, and he doesn't have the experience. So it's one of those things where – I mean, I know a lot of 
basketball players kind of have that awkward growing and maturation thing going on. Uh, maybe even early on in, in their college career or even in high school, you know, you have these, um, just think of these kids that they go from being whatever it is, five foot 10, five foot 11 and grow five or six inches over the summer. And they have to kind of get used to, uh, to what their body is and, and what they, they could do as an athlete. So I definitely see that with him. Um, the free throws are, are a huge concern as well. I think that that's a guy that, you know, when it just, the thing that cracks me up about Michigan is that you have a program where these guys can pretty much shoot from anywhere on the floor, anywhere in the gym. I mean, feel like, you know, if they're standing at the, you know, the popcorn line at Chrysler, you feel like they could still have a shot to, to hit whatever they throw up from there. Uh, but when they get to the free throw line, and then this is not just a Charles Matthews problem. It's kind of, I don't know. It's, when they get to the free throw line, it's like the freebies aren't exactly uh, free and easy. So um, kind of piggybacking off that, you know, f- the free throw shooting is a concern and, and, and Beeline knows it too, but what are some things that they're, are they trying? I know they're, they work on it a lot, but is this, is this going to improve heading into the, the conference tournament, the NCAA tournament? They're going to have that, what is it, whatever it is, a, a pretty big gap before, uh, playing in the NCAA tournament uh, between the big 10 tournament, but you know, that's a, that's an area they need to improve in. And is that something that, that you expect them to do? I, I don't know. Um, you know, it's not the free throw thing. It's kind of not something that you can, you know, essentially teach. Um, it's not something where you say, okay, your jump shots off by whatever you need to adjust it by this. It's like, it's more of a, a mental thing. And, you know, it, it's one of those situations where, you know, you, you hope you can address it a little bit and hope it gets better or you're just going to have to fight through it. Uh, you saw Xavier Simpson change up his uh, free throw shooting motion to more of like a Rip Hamilton style, you know, bounce off to the side and then throw it up, which which kind of kind of helped. But again, it's it's more that mindset thing, because if you miss one or two, you know, those will start to add up if you let it get to you. So. Um, at this point, you know, Michigan better hope that games don't come down to free throws late at the end, because if they, if they're missing them, they're going to be in trouble. Cause this is probably by far one of the worst, if not the worst free throw shooting teams of the beeline era, which is saying quite a lot considering what they've had in the past. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't see, I, I don't see an immediate fix, um, and I don't know if it's going to get better. Um, you know, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But like I said, you know, you just got to hope that you don't get into a free throw shooting contest or, you know, there's going to be some issues. You know, one of the key storylines after this season is going to be whether or not Mo Wagner is going to go pro. I, for one, would be shocked if he actually did go pro, but I've heard a few people say otherwise. I was just wondering if you've heard any sort of rumblings at all about what his decision may be after this season. Yeah, I mean, we'd kind of be surprised if he if he returned uh, next season. And, and but again, anything can happen. Um, you know, I'll I'll try to add, you know you'll try to ask these guys in public, you know, what their thoughts are, but they're, you know, they, they tow the company line and say, you know, they're not focused on the outside noise and things like that. But 
I mean, I just I don't know if if Wagner's stock is going to be any higher um, than probably what it was last year by this time in March. But, you know, I I would be surprised if he came back. Um, Would it be absolutely huge if he did? Yeah, I think that's a total game changer for uh, the team they're going to have next year. But, you know, there's there's a a scholarship crunch going on right now, including the uh, 2018 recruiting class. So, um I would be surprised if if he came back. Yeah, and it's a. I mean, this is a last year's draft class was. Uh, I think I definitely think a little bit weaker than what's coming out this year. So, you know, if his if he didn't come out last year and his stock was was as high as it was, you'd have to think that this is probably the year he does it. And I think he's ready to. I mean, I'm not really sure if there's an area where where Mo Wagner can really improve. I mean, a lot of people always, you know, there's. There's always a section of the fan base out there that goes, oh, well, you know, he has to improve such and such. Or, you know, if he just stays one more year, you know, and I think a lot of times I think that's sort of selfish of fans. Because uh, if you're ready to go, if you're the best that you can be, you know, not every player has the ceiling to be perfect in every single facet of their game. So um, if Wagner were to come out, I, I really can't say I'd blame him. But well, I want to kind of dive if, if you don't the, mind me interrupting. It's, yeah. it. it, it Oh, you can the sad always. thing is about this whole you know one and done rule is that the older you are the the less stock you get uh, as as a draft prospect which is a which is unfortunate because you know if if Wagner decided he wanted to stay another year because he felt like it helped his game it'd probably reflect poorly on him as a prospect just because that's the way the NBA is because you're gonna have younger big men coming in next year because the NBA right. is stupid I'll, I'll, I'll right. like the bowl bowls of the world he's gonna be very very good uh, at Oregon next year and then you know go obviously go to the NBA after one year so the older you are you know the, the odds and cards are stacked against you and, and it's unfortunate but you know that's just the way the the modern climate is right now with the NBA draft yeah I think that's a great point and you know I was going to switch to something else but I guess I'll stay on here you know we always you know Beeline has been so good at getting these guys in the league that aren't necessarily one and dones or things like that outside of Wagner are you look uh, you sort of hinted at maybe Charles Matthews but do you see anyone else potentially coming out early no um you know Charles Matthews would be the only guy but I think that would be a death sentence for him right now I just I don't think there's there's a market for him at the moment maybe he'd you know sit on some G League roster but I I don't think it's beneficial for him to come out right now. I, I really don't. There's there's so, there's too many issues with his game that can be fixable with, you know, another full summer of training and, and getting those bad habits that Beeline likes to call it out of his system. Um, you know, one more year would probably do a lot of good for for Matthews. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing too is that I I sort of a little bit hinted at that that it seems like anytime. You have it. I mean, the NBA loves its athletic wings. I mean, that is the new hotness, you know, the guys that can play out on the wing. But, you know, so if they see a guy that has even a tinge of a high ceiling, uh, it seems like that they like to, you know, maybe put a bug in their ear and things like that. But, yeah, I I would agree with both of you guys. I I think that uh, one more year for him at least would, would be best served. But let's switch gears a little bit here. I want to get into the Big Ten tournament as a whole. Uh, you're looking at Michigan as a five seed. Uh, they will play on Thursday. Uh, when I look, one of the biggest questions about the league this year, and, and when I'm, I know I'm st- sitting here staring at the standings right now, and uh, my eyeballs would kind of support this claim. Uh, people say that it looks it looks weaker than it has been. Um, 
you know, you've got Iowa towards the bottom of the standings. You've got Wisconsin had a down year. Um, Minnesota, people expected them to be better, but they had some injuries and some other stuff going on. Um, I don't know if I'd say the Big Ten was necessarily had a down year. I just think it's a lot top heavier than it's been. You know, I look at Michigan State, Purdue, Ohio State, Michigan. I think those are four teams right there that we could be talking about at the very least on the on the second weekend of the tournament. How do you feel about that, Josh? Yeah, I'm, it's there's got some teams there in that in that group there that that really can can make some noise um you know we've we've seen teams you know anywhere we saw wisconsin give michigan state some issues yesterday you know it's there's teams in this conference that can give these big teams like the michigan states the purdue's ohio states some fits not there there are no perfect teams out there that are invincible you know, Purdue certainly looked like that earlier in the year, but, you know, Purdue does what Purdue does and kind of just falls off uh, when March comes. But, yeah, I, I mean, there's favorable matchups all over the place. <clears throat> Excuse me, all over the place, especially with Michigan, too. You know, you got Michigan's matchup against the winner of Illinois and Iowa, both who I could potentially see Michigan giving or uh, getting some trouble from. Um, but, you know, you've got the potential for Michigan to play Michigan State in the semifinal if it beats obviously the winner of Illinois Iowa and then Nebraska who we all know beat Michigan by 20 at home but I think the great equalizer here is a neutral court in a in a city that's filled with Michigan alumni who are absolutely going in a packed Madison Square Garden um you know they just they love to travel but new york is an excellent market for michigan fans and i think that's going to be a very busy building when they play um but yeah you know there is a potential for a surprise team to make a run um you know if maryland can figure things out and and get healthy they'd be they'd be a team that that certainly be up there i mean they were certainly disappointing this year um minnesota too you know with nate mason he is so good that he can kind of he can change a game. So there's definitely an opportunity there. I mean, we saw it last year. Michigan made a run out of nowhere. It's possible. It's it's It all just depends on who gets hot at the right time, um, and then that changes everything. One last question for you, Josh, and I wanted to ask you about the layoff that's going to be taking place in between the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. Obviously, even if Michigan were to win the Big Ten tournament, they would have – around 10 days off in between games. I was just wondering if you'd heard anything from Coach Beeline about how he's planning to prepare the team for that layoff and if he's talked at all about the amount of practice time that he plans on getting in during those 10 days or so. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's a really weird gap. I mean, you're talking almost two weeks worth of, of being in downtime, especially for a team like Michigan that's playing its best basketball right now. You know, that could absolutely hurt. So they don't really – like Beeline has kind of mentioned that he would like to do something um, that weekend of the off week. He said maybe a uh, an open scrimmage. Uh, at Chrysler, but he's there. There's nothing really nailed down yet. I mean, it's fortunately, you know, Michigan isn't the only program that has to go through this off week. Obviously, the rest outside of the Big Ten don't have that. But again, even if, if you get knocked out early, that breaks even longer. So, 
um, it, it, it's going to be an interesting week. I, I personally don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, Delaney, Jim Delaney came out earlier last week and said that, you know, this was that condensed schedule wasn't healthy because now you've got, you know, all those games all at one time that every team had to go through. And now you've got a week off in between a tournament and the NCAA tournament. It's a mess. I think this is a huge blunder by, by the big 10 just so they could get, you know, their tournament in New York, which I think it was, it's, it's just, it doesn't make sense. you know, there was nothing wrong with Indianapolis, you know, Washington DC was cool last year, but you know, again, there's nothing wrong with having it in Indianapolis and you know it just it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense from a logistical standpoint and you know there's i think if there's a lot of big 10 teams that get knocked out of the NCAA tournament early um i think there'll be a lot of programs that kind of point to that week off and say hey this is what did us in because a lot of these teams are you know playing basketball on a regular schedule excuse me back to back and you know these big 10 teams had so much time off in between so uh a big blunder and i'm really interested to see if that impacts these teams that are playing some great basketball right now i'm glad you brought that up because when you look at the like we sort of talked about it is a top heavy conference this year um and i think that ringer that teams had to go through uh, in order to, you know, make sure they got enough games in to, to move the se- or basically move the season up a week. Uh, so you could play this tournament early. Um, I think that that plays into it too. And when they only get, you know, you have, you have four big 10 teams for sure that are going to get into this tournament, Michigan state, Purdue, Ohio state, Michigan, Nebraska's sitting here at 22 and nine, 13 and five in the conference. And they may not even get an at large bid. So, you know, I, I think that certainly they the Big Ten screwed themselves here, as they're ones to do. Uh, it's what Jim Delaney does best. It's, it's what this conference does best. And, you know, to appease a market that I know you said that New York obviously has a pretty large contingent of, of Michigan fans, but, you know, there are Michigan fans everywhere. But other than that, I mean, you think people are going to be lined up outside Madison Square Garden waiting for the doors to open for, um, you know, Illinois and Iowa or things like that. It's, it's ridiculous. And, um, you know, like I said, those teams at the top, I kind of, no, I said, I I could see them making runs uh, through this tournament, but when they don't, and when they maybe do get popped on that first weekend or early in the second weekend, uh, the big 10 will have nobody to blame but themselves. No, I, I agree. You know, it's it again, We'll see what happens. I mean, Nebraska can really help themselves if they go on a run and, and win the tournament. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's going to hurt for these, especially if like a Michigan State or a Purdue goes down, you know, after their double bye and they take a loss. They've got essentially almost a two week layover, which you know is 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 huge in basketball terms. Um, you know, I think Michigan played like two game two or three games in 20 days or something like that something insane towards the last stretch here um but they're still playing great basketball so you know i have no doubts that you know for for michigan specifically they're they're going to be ready um you know beeline will have his guys ready to play um you know he'll i think he'll give them sufficient time off but you know i think they'll also give him sufficient prep time too um because I'm really interested to see where they get sent. Um, you know, our CBS bracket has them going to the Midwest. 
Um, so it, it'll it's it's very interesting right now. Um, there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of dominoes that still have to fall. But again, you know, after all those dominoes, you still have a week off, which at the end of the day is just a total joke, if you ask me. Um, real quick, and we'll get you out of here, Josh. Uh, who's it gonna win? Who's gonna win this Big Ten tournament? And if it's not Michigan, does it really matter if it is at this point? Uh, again, it, no, I don't think it matters if Michigan wins it because I think they're in regardless. I think they needed a a, a good run last year to kind of really help themselves uh, in terms of standings, but. I think they've punched their ticket regardless. They've got a lot of good quadrant one wins that, you know, their resume speaks for themselves. But as far as the tournament, I would, you know, Michigan is probably playing the best basketball in the conference outside of maybe Michigan state right now. And, you know, I, I think they can make a a really solid run, but if Michigan were to survive, you know, their first game, you know, that Nebraska game really kind of gives me pause because they they showed the blueprint of how to beat them by going small and just, you know, kind of shell-shocking that group. But again, the neutral site is kind of the great equalizer, so they're not at Nebraska this time, so anything can happen. But, you know, I, I really think – I think Michigan State's going to gonna run the table. I mean, they're, they're just playing great basketball right now. Purdue is, is – fallen right off the map i'm not sure what happened but they're not playing good basketball right now but you know it it would either my guess would be either you know michigan state or i don't know maybe maybe ohio state i don't know it's it's a very interesting tournament this time of the year because you know the the regular season winner is not always guaranteed to win the whole thing as we've seen in the past so again after last year i i kind of avoid going the prediction route because you know at the end of the the first day of the tournament that prediction can get blown out of the water sure absolutely and hopefully no problems with the planes this year either so uh all right well uh josh enjoy your time at madison square garden that's a bucket list thing for me i hope hope i'll be able to get there at some point um you know enjoy the weekend hopefully uh you know maybe maybe michigan loses a little bit early you get to sightsee a little bit Maybe. Yeah. Well, that Maybe. that's that's the plan. If they uh, if they take an L, we'll see. All right. Well, he is, uh, and I like I said, uh, Josh. Thank you for joining us. Um, you, you know, I'm I'm gonna stroke your ego here for a minute. I mean, this where this site is at is is not here without without you giving me a shot. Without you know the foundation that kind of you you had in place, and uh, you know you've parlayed it to, into a pretty nice gig. So, uh, been the managing editor at the Michigan Insider on 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. Uh, you could follow him on Twitter at Josh Henschke. Man, thanks again. We'll, we'll do it again sometime. And, uh, hey, enjoy NYC, my friend. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks again to Josh for the interview. Hopefully we'll be able to check in with him down the road here. I'm sure we will. Uh, me and him go back quite a ways. But So in this little third segment of the show or the third quadrant, however it's it ends up breaking down. We want to do, we're going to do some segments and the segment we're going to do today um, will be a courtroom session uh, with the honorable me presiding over it. And what we will be doing is listen, it's been five years. So, you know, much has been made against uh, with Louisville having their, their title revoked from them. Uh, now Michigan will not be getting the national title for that 2013 game, but you know, it's it's been five years already, which is you know a little a little milestone in its own right. It's nuts. So 
I know it's, I cannot believe it's, it's flown by like that. I, I feel old. I'm not old, but I feel old. It's, it's ridiculous. But what we're going to do is interesting little debate we have lined up. Do you think the 2013 Michigan basketball team was better? That was the Trey Burke team or the 2014 team that had, you know, Derek Walton, Zach Irvin as freshman. You had Nick Stauskas as the uh, big 10 player of the year. You had Mitch McGarry, you had, uh, you know, you had Glenn Robinson, the third, you had all these guys. So um, I'm going to throw it. How this will work is when the music hits, I will become an independent arbiter of this situation and I will have my two cohorts uh, debate over over who is better, what was better, and then I will make my final ruling, ruling at the end. So representing the 2013 Wolverines will be Luke. Representing the 2014 Wolverines will be Chris. Let's hit the music and let court be now in session. All right, uh, Mr. Giardi, um, thank you for entering the courtroom today. Uh, I'm, I'm glad both of you are here to argue your case. Uh, I'd like to allow you to make an opening statement on the 2013 Wolverines. It's a pleasure, Your Honor, for allowing me to argue on behalf of the 2013 Michigan Wolverines men's basketball team that did make a national championship appearance, was at one point the number one team in the country that featured six NBA draft picks, five of which coming in the first round and two of which uh, coming in the top ten. Now, this 2013 Michigan Wolverines basketball team was one of the best teams in the country for quite a long time. They did not lose their first game until January 13th at a tough road loss at number 15, Ohio State, 56-53, in which Michigan almost tied the game late on a Trey Burke three-pointer that went halfway down, came back out, but Michigan, who did not win the conference that year, made a strong run in the NCAA tournament, who they're now... Some people are arguing, maybe us here, at Mason Brew, 2013 national champions, considering Louisville has now vacated that national championship. But I believe the 2013 Michigan Wolverines basketball team, although they did not win the conference in the regular season outright as the 2014 team did, I believe the Big Ten Conference was slightly stronger in the year 2013. And the deep tournament run plus overall season success in the non-conference gives the nod to the 2013 team. All right. Well, thank you for your uh, your argument, uh, Mr. Giardi. Uh, I'd like to turn it over to uh, Mr. Castellani now. Uh, he'll be arguing in favor of the 2014 Wolverines. Uh, Chris, I would like to allow you. Uh, I'll allow you now to make your opening statement. Objection. Yes, thank you, Your Honor. I, I want to talk about the 2014 team. To me, it's one of the most uh, overlooked and forgotten about teams in the history of Michigan sports. Obviously, 2013 was a was a magical season, and one of my one of my favorite, if not my favorite, sports team of all time. But if we're talking about who was better, I look at a team in 2014 that had their backs against the wall from very early on. You brought up they had Mitch McGarry on this team; they really didn't. They had him for about you know, at full health, they had him for zero games, but they probably had him you know in real meaningful games, probably about two or three the entire season. And you had a team that was deep with, with freshmen. You had the Big Ten Player of the Year. You had a team that beat Michigan State twice in the regular season, including in Breslin, a team that beat three top 10 teams in the country in the same week. 
to go from, I believe, being unranked to being in the top 15. Uh, they had a higher seed in the NCAA tournament. Yes, they came up a bit short uh, as far as making it to the Final Four. Uh, they lost to a Kentucky team that was probably the greatest eight seed in the history of the NCAA tournament. This was, uh, this was a team that got better as the season went along, whereas the 2013 team struggled in the latter half of the of Big Ten play in their last 12 regular season games, and I believe actually uh, in- including the two games they played in the Big Ten tournament, six and six before uh, making their run in the NCAA tournament. I felt like the 2014 team gelled earlier in the season, and I think they got better as the year went along. And while they didn't quite make it as far, I think if these two teams played, uh, I would take 2014. I think that was the the ultimate beeline team in regards to how they played, uh, the how they shot mainly near the end of the year. They were lethal from three pointer, better from three point range, better than I've ever seen a Michigan team. Uh, Mr. Giardi, do you have a, a rebuttal to that? Well, uh, I I can say that the team did gel very well in 2014, as Chris alluded to. However, that 2013 team, not only did it feature a national player of the year in Trey Burke, it featured Tim Hardaway Jr., who is doing very good things uh, in the NBA now, even if you want to use a little hindsight on it, obviously. Uh, that 2013 that team... The record, that should not be taken into account... If we're talking about which team was better, overruled, I'll allow it. Okay. So this 2013 team, when you take a look at both, yes, uh, they struggled in the latter half, as Chris alluded to, including a road loss to Penn State, one of the worst losses um, probably in you know Michigan history amongst the good teams that they've had. Uh, a lot of their losses in that latter half came to very good teams, two of which came to Indiana, who ended up winning the Big Ten. They were number three in the country the first time that they played them, and number two when Jordan and Morgan somehow could not convert an offensive rebound tip in that would have given Michigan a share of the Big Ten title that year. They beat Michigan State, who was number nine. And then when you take a look at the tournament run, when you look at the 2014 team and their tournament run to the Elite Eight, they beat Wolford, they beat Texas, they beat Tennessee, none of which were ranked in the AP Top 25, as opposed to the 2013 Michigan team, who from the Sweet 16 on defeated number three, Kansas, number 14, Florida, and number 16, Syracuse. So three top 25 teams in the NCAA tournament that 2013 team beat, almost beat number two Louisville in the national championship. All of that, all of the great players, Karis LeVert was on that 2013 team. So again, six NBA players, a national player of the year. The talent was overwhelming on this 2013 Michigan team. All right, well, at this point, I would like to, uh, I'll go back to Chris. I'd like you to make your closing arguments. uh, And then from there, Mr. Giardi, you will make your closing argument and I will render a final ruling on this situation. So Chris, please. Well, for one, I do want to respond to the, the argument being made about the amount of NBA players from this team that were put, uh, or, or that were, let me, we can edit that. Let me say, uh, this is court. We shall do no editing of any sort. <laughs> you know, if you don't, okay, fine. 
I, I do want to respond to the argument about the amount of NBA players from the 2013 team, players that are now in the league. Sure, that that that's an understandable argument. There were some great players on that team, but it, Christian Leitner didn't make it in the NBA. Does that somehow uh, lessen how great some of the Duke teams in the the early 90s were? What about the, the undefeated UNLV teams? Uh, it, they didn't exactly have any NBA superstars, so I, I, I think to, to use the amount of NBA players on a team as an argument for which team was better is, is irrelevant. To me, what matters is what they did in season. And when you look at the 2014 team, that team had such a good balance of veterans and young players uh, that I think if they were to play the 2013 team in a game, I think that you would find a more poised team. I think that you would find a deeper team and also a better defensive team. It wasn't until Mitch McGarry became the full-time center in 2013 where Michigan's defense was even good. They struggled mightily, even early on in the season, at defending the three, at defending some some plays inside. Jordan Morgan, his senior year, was one of the best defensive players in the Big Ten. I felt the defense was much better that season. And once again, the three-point shooting from everyone. I mean, Zach Irvin, his freshman year, as solid of a career as he ended up having what he was his freshman year coming off the bench he never seemed to miss coming off of the bench and and hitting big threes you had Derek Walton as a starter became a four-year starter Karis LeVert really coming into his own and of course the best player in the Big Ten I think that team does not get nearly enough credit they won the Big Ten not just outright they won it easily. They won it by three games. The team that finished second was 12-6, and six, and that was a team in Michigan State that they beat twice. So my argument, absolutely, I say the 2014 team was superior. All right, Mr. Giardi, uh, here we go. Well, first of all, I would like to uh, address the point that Chris made about the UNLV run and Rebels team. Uh, in fact, that 1990-91 UNLV uh, championship team had Larry Johnson, who went number one overall in the NBA to the Charlotte Hornets in the 91 draft. Stacey Ogman went number nine. Greg Anthony went number 12. And then they had a second-round pick in George Ackles to the Miami Heat and Elmore Spencer in the first round of the 92 draft. But for the 2012-2013 team, this is a team that won their first 16 ball games. They won the NIT season tip-off challenge. They defeated number 18 NC State before their first loss. They rattled off 16 consecutive wins to start the year. Whereas you look at the 2013-2014 team, they were six and four after the first 10 games. I mean, they were a bubble team until Big Ten play. So this 2012-2013 Michigan team, again, I love Derek Walton and what he beat came but he was a true freshman point guard that 2012-2013 team had national player of the year Trey Burke as their point guard Tim Hardaway Nick Stauskas uh was he better his sophomore year absolutely but that elite eight game against Florida Nick Stauskas was huge in that 2012-2013 campaign as well just overall when you take a look at it the coaching job done by John Beeline to add the cherry on top to all the talent that this 2012-2013 team had I think, without a doubt, the 2013 team 
better than the 2014 team. All right, well, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, before I render my ruling, I would like to commend you for the decorum in which you argued your uh, your cases. Uh, I've taken not only me, but uh, also the juror of your peers, which is also me, uh, have taken <laughs> all of the information into account. Um, I think when this court reviews who is more impressive, who is better, you know, I, I think there are arguments to be made on both sides, and I think that even... Coming into this this argument, I didn't think it, you know, it, it's a lot closer than maybe I thought it was. And I still thought it was a good debate coming into it, but I think it's even a little bit more interesting uh, now that I've heard you argue your cases. Um, I will say this about the, well, to me, I will, I will give my ruling. Uh, this court finds the 2013, 2012-2013 uh, team as the better team. And I, I say that because the foundation was set for that 2014 team by by the guys that, that remained after that year. Uh, I think that the tiebreaker, obviously going to the national title game is huge. Uh, almost winning it is huge. But I think the real tiebreaker to me here is it's Trey Burke. I mean, it's you had the best you had the best player in college basketball um, that season. And, you know, tournament runs, you always have there's always one play that defines your tournament run. Sometimes it's, you know, a, a three point shot from 35 feet out. Other times it's one of the Harrison twins um, hitting a three against you late in the in Elite Eight game. It, it depends on what happens. You know, it could go either way. So I am ruling in favor of the 2013 team. Uh, but this debate is, is fascinating. And I think even a little more. I think there's a little more to this argument than I even thought there was coming into uh, court. So uh, thank you for your um, professionalism uh, and, and the court. Uh, we will we will have you back in court uh, soon, soon, I think, uh, for more debates. So, uh, well, that was fun. Uh, that, that was a nice little segment. Uh, before we get out of here, though, um, I feel, I mean, how do you even follow that up, honestly? I mean, I'm sitting here at a loss for words. You guys, you guys pretty much... Uh, <laughs> Guess pretty much hit the nail on the head there, but I think yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, can I just throw this out? <laughs> Luke, sure, sure, absolutely. Luke, Luke absolutely smoked me in that debate. <laughs> just, uh, not to- <laughs> you know what? No, give yourself some credit. I I thought there were good. I'm I didn't. I had forgotten that team won that the conference by whatever it was three games. I mean, yeah. they were they did kind of flip a switch after the new year. They uh, did. So. And honestly, I think the argument was it was it was fairly close until I, I pulled the UNLV thing out of my ass thinking that I would get something there. And then it, it, it was like I served up a, a volley for you and you just smashed an overhead into my face by giving me saying like, well, actually, half the team got drafted. So, uh, yeah, probably uh, it would have been closer if not for that, but. It it is a good debate, and I think, once again, yeah, I think there is an argument to be made for for both. The 2014 team, uh, especially the fact that, yeah, like Luke said, there were a lot of people who didn't even think that team would make the tournament after losing McGarry. And to win the Big Ten outright by three games, that is, I think, an even better debate. That is Beeline's best coaching job. No argument there whatsoever. And Chris, I got to say, man, you did a fantastic job because I didn't think there was much of a debate between the two teams, and you absolutely made that incredibly hard. 
Oh, no, I could I could feel you sweating on from the other side of the microphone. Like I could feel the perspiration. Like this was a lot more heated than I thought it would be. And even um, you know, I as an independent as you know, I take my law very seriously. Um, as an independent arbiter, I went into this debate um, not really knowing which way I was going to go. Partially because we didn't know we were going to do this till like two seconds before we recorded. But um, yes, we didn't have much prep time for this. No, but you know what? I like that. I you, you thought on your toes. I'm impressed. If this was a if this was a see how you do under pressure test, I think you both. Well, I mean, Chris kind of Chris kind of got like you said volleyed there for a second, but you know it did not make for any less entertaining of a debate, and that's what we're here for. But um, yeah, those were obviously the two kind of the gold standard of what a, what John Beeline teams are, and the team that they have now this year is. I think when it's all said and done, I mean, I talent wise, this, this group has a chance to kind of cement themselves with those other guys. Um, but they have to play the big 10 tournament first. I, I mean, they're, they're in the NCAA tournament. I, I've seen them as high as a four in some places, but um, let, let's preview. We previewed the, the tournament with Josh. Uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts now. Uh, how, how are you feeling about this team going into the, the big 10 tournament? And honestly, does it really even matter if they win it all? I mean, the four games in four days is great. And if that's a good story, it was a great story last year because everything that went down with the plane, but um, it kind of feels like bigger things are at play here. No, I absolutely agree. Um, the one thing about this tournament, Michigan, if you remember last year, after winning the tournament with the plane crash, they had a ton of momentum uh, going into the NCAA tournament. None of that's going to matter, even if they win four and four days now because of the time that the tournament is. Uh, with it being a week before its usual time, going to be a week before Selection Sunday, uh, I, I don't think that winning this tournament or doing particularly well. I think they should win the first game if they want a decent seat, but, and I think they will beat Nebraska if they beat Illinois or Iowa, but regardless if they win their semifinal game or the championship game, if they make it there, I, I don't think it necessarily matters in terms of momentum, maybe seating, but we saw last year that the, the committee does not, did not like the big 10 last year. I have to imagine they'll like the big 10 even less this year. So, so really the big 10 tournament, it, it's all for pride right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm basically with you all the way. I, I would be a bit disappointed, or even maybe the, the better word would be surprised to if they lost to Nebraska, just because I the game they played against Nebraska the first time around was one of those games that happens to every good Big Ten team every year where they go on the road against a, a, another opponent and the other opponent just hits everything. And that that's kind of how I felt in that game. Not to take anything away from the Cornhuskers because they played a, a flawless game, but I, I do think Michigan has a superior team. I think on a neutral site, uh, I, I would pick Michigan to win that game. But after that, like I would be shocked if they played MSU again and, and won. Um, that, that game will mean a lot to Michigan State. Uh, and MSU is trying to get number one seed, potentially even number one overall seed if they win the whole thing. So uh, I, I think winning two games in this thing, it would be a reasonable goal. And I thought, you know, it was similar last season, uh, even because the last year's team, you taught, you said after they won the big 10 tournament, they obviously had a ton of momentum, but People forget that team had momentum going into that tournament as well. They were playing their best basketball of the season coming into the Big Ten tournament also. And I think 
we kind of have a similar thing going on this year. Uh, the the uh, the two issues are uh, one being I think that's the top of the Big Ten this year is better than it was a season ago. The field isn't as wide open, uh, and uh, sorry, one of my roommates is young. Sorry. Uh, and this is the behind the scenes stuff. I'm I'm leaving this in. Uh, I, I try. I try. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> you said I even, I even uh, lost my train of thought for, for a second. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and the second thing, obviously last year, the, the plane incident really seemed to galvanize the team. Um, so I, once again, I think two games, uh, or two wins would be great. Uh, one would be fine even. Uh, and I don't think it matters that much. I think this team is locked up somewhere between a six and and a four seed uh, at worst at worst a seven yeah the important thing for me for them was to kind of stay off that eight and nine line um because you know you win and give you know make no mistake about it college basketball this year i don't really see a team that is is terrifying that's absolutely frightening like some of those kentucky teams have been in the past like duke has been in the past but you know, anytime you win that eight or nine, you win that eight nine seed game, and then you go play a one seed, um, that's that's a tough tip, tough task. And even you know, I feel a lot better about the uh, about where they sit um, after you know this little streak they've been on and where they're heading. And and it's going to be interesting to see how this layoff between tournaments kind of affects them. Um, you talked about them playing on a neutral site. Uh, what about a site where like nobody's going to be there at all? Because I'm telling you right now, nobody in the city of New York that's not a Michigan fan gives a shit about the Big Ten tournament. They don't. Um, this is another stupid uh, experiment by the Big Ten because you know Rutgers. God, what they thought by adding Rutgers, they were adding some big media powerhouse. But I, God, I, I really well, think the, there the, was relegation in, in conferences. Yeah, the Rutgers the gym- has done zero, and we and we I know we talked about this in the interview as well. But Rutgers has done zero, and how how many years has it been now? Four or five years? Uh, it feels like it's been an eternity, right. just an eternity of any time you play Rutgers, uh, except for twenty. Uh, was it twenty fourteen when when okay. Michigan lost to them? Uh, anytime, anytime you. <laughs> Anytime you see them on the schedule, you can usually chalk that up as a win. And it should not be – a Power 5 team should not uh, – that should not be the case. And, and, but. and the, the, the other big thing is that I just haven't seen any improvement. Like if they were slowly starting to you know, be a bit more respectable, it would be one – but no, they, they were what 1-16 in and or 1-17 in, in conference last year. They were 2-16 in 16 this year. Wow! Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, in year five, I would expect a little bit more. But you're right; they they thought they were getting this this New York market. I, I think when they got Rutgers of all teams, and uh, I guess in a way they did. But at your point, well, Anthony, it you know when you when you talk about outside of Rutgers, no one cares. It's how hilariously unself aware was it for the Big Ten to put that sign up. At MSG, uh, showing how far the campuses were from Madison Square Garden. <laughs> They're all like 600 miles, except for Rutgers. It's which is like 41. Which wow, that's not even that close to New York. It's like, I mean, DC. I get it because Maryland. I mean, at least Maryland. 
holds up their end of the bargain. I mean, they've About been times. I don't know. Did you see him play last week? Right. Well, I mean, no, they've been I, yeah. I, they've been averaged a solid in football. They've been they've had a pretty good pretty good few years in basketball until you know I think they took a little bit of a step back this year, but. Uh, at least DC held up there in the should, bargain a little bit. It should just rotate um, between Chicago and Indy. It, that's just how it should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'd say Detroit, but no one even really gives it that much of a damn about basketball in the area anyway. So just just leave it where it belongs. Leave it in Chicago. Leave it in Indy. Um, maybe at things some like point, that. Maybe at some point I could see it coming to Detroit. J- not just mainly because of how awesome uh, LCA is. Uh, but yeah, the... As far as having the entire thing there, uh, yeah, I think we have a ways to go until we see that happening. Yeah, well, all right. Well, real quick before we get out, um, predictions on the Big Ten tournament. Uh, I'll just go real quick. Just give me give me your team and a sentence or two why you think they win it. So, Chris, who wins it all? Yeah, I, it's an easy uh, prediction to make, I guess, or the simple one to make, but I, I think Michigan State is so hot right now. And the only team, really, the only team that I could see beating MSU would be Michigan. And so I, I think MSU is gonna gonna walk, you know, walk their way through the first game, and then app once they beat Michigan, I think whoever they play in the in the championship, uh, they'll beat. I think they they would beat up Purdue or Ohio State pretty bad. So I'll stick. Uh, I'll stick with with Sparty on this one. All right, Luke. I actually think Purdue is going to win this. You know, I think Purdue and Michigan State are going to meet in the Big Ten title game. I think Michigan State got you know fairly lucky to beat Purdue uh, back when they played on Michigan State's uh, home floor there in East Lansing. I think you know Isaac Haas is he's going to command. I think he's going to start commanding double teams because of what we saw. And as soon as that happens, I think Carson Edwards is going to be able to hit a lot of shots from the outside. Purdue's just got a lot of shooters. I think Purdue wants to pay Michigan State back. Uh, I know they've struggled down the stretch here, but I, th- I really think Purdue is going to find it again here in the Big Ten tournament, and I think they're going to be Big Ten tourney champs. All right, and I will – I mean, someone on this show has to go with Michigan. I will go with Michigan. Um, I think that – you, they can come at you a variety of different ways. I think that um, I'm just going to go Michigan. Uh, I have no, I have no expert uh, opinion on that, or you know, I, I think I, I'm not afraid of Michigan State. I, I, you know, they've they've got their own, they've got their fair share of issues on and off the court. But um, you know, with how hot this team has been, um, how hot both teams have been, I, I'm, I'm, this is here's a hot take. I think I like. John Beeline a little more than I like Tom Izzo in March. If we're being a little bit honest, or if we're being honest here, quietly, the last ten years or so, I wouldn't know. Very I quietly, say last ten, but I, maybe I mean, yeah, last as of late. I would say since they lost to Michigan, lost to Ohio in the the twenty twelve tournament. Uh, I think Beeline's teams have uh, played their best basketball in March. That checks out to me. Yeah. I mean, and that makes Izzo, sense. with the exception of one year where they made it to the Final Four with a team that was terrible. I I can I still cannot freaking believe that that team with uh, uh, with well Denzel obviously, but but uh, with Travis Trice made it to the Final Four. You know, Travis Trice, nice little player, but the leader of that team. Still yeah, like- credit where credit 
credit credit where credit is due. That's probably Izzo's best coaching job was that. Oh, team. absolutely. And you know, a lot of things had to fall into place, and they played a lot better down the stretch. But you know, with the exception of that year, um, you know, it, I think they we have a you throw in a Sweet Sixteen in there, uh, a second round loss a season ago, and then you know the worst loss in program history uh, in uh, twenty sixteen, a year where they were the best team coming into that uh, uh, tournament. So yeah, I mean, the last couple of years, I I, I don't think that's if you think about it, it's not that hot of a take. But people, when people hear it, there's going to be people who freak out. Well, every time, you know, this time of year, you always see from Michigan State Twitter, it's that meme of like January, February, Izzo, April, May. It's like, it's so, I get it. But it's like, you know, maybe check yourself before you wreck yourself uh, as, as a wise philosopher once said but isn't it, so, isn't well, it I think that's gonna like do the f- pride comes before the fall something like that well, I've heard we'll, that somewhere we'll, 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 um, we'll really start I, something now only the only yeah, yeah. episode in we have, we've already isolated an entire fan base <laughs> yeah well I, they're gonna have fairness, to get used to it because they're I don't think they're paying that much atten- I, I wouldn't expect them to pay that much attention to this site but if you're here, please well, this play. I'll tell you what, Chris. This is for the guy that tweeted at uh, at you and Mason Brew the other day. He said, "Oh, great! I can't, or you're never going to hate on Michigan, so I can't follow you anymore." Well, yeah, this one's for you, buddy. Exactly. This, this is for you. Yeah, I see everything. Um, all right. Well, we'll we'll close this out here. Uh, you know, pretty pretty successful. Not bad for a little ragtag group of guys just turning on the mics and seeing what the hell happens. Uh, Luke, where can people find you on social media? Uh, at Twitter, I'm at Luke Giardi, just my name, last name spelled G-H-I-A-R-D-I. So uh, just uh, search me there, and then I'm on Instagram as, a, as the same thing. So go follow. All right, Chris. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Castellani2014. I'll spell that out. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2-0-1. Four. I also uh, have a channel of my own on the YouTubes. Uh, just, it's my last name, uh, followed by Losers Club. So Castellani Losers Club. You can find me there. The link is to that is also in my uh, bio on Twitter. Uh, and that that's all. All right. Well, you can of course follow me on Twitter at Anthony T Broom. Make sure you follow the website at Maze and Brew. Uh, subscribe. You can subscribe to all of our shows. It's not just Brewcast. We've got the Out of the Blue guys. Victor's Van is sticking around. Um, one for the road. Every once in a while, when I get pissed off, I turn the microphone on and I just rant for 15 minutes. Uh, you can get all that as well. Uh, you can subscribe to that on iTunes as Maze and Brew Podcasts. Uh, we will have um, all of our shows will end up there. So subscribe to them. Leave a review. Uh, hopefully, a nice review. Um, subscribe unsubscribe get us get us trending maybe but uh yeah you can subscribe there and also maze and brew podcast is also on the google play store as well so that's where you can find us be sure to subscribe us be sure to review us uh it'll also be available on the website looking into potential other avenues uh so if you guys have any places that you feel like need to be uh, we need to explore to put this on let us know tweet at us let us um you know leave a comment on the article that this is with um, email us, whatever you got to do, carry your pigeon, whatever the hell. But uh, for Chris, for Luke, this has been Anthony, this has been Brewcast, and we'll talk to you again next week. Mm-hmm.